Section 4 of Rough Notes Taken During Some Rapid Journeys Across the Pampas and Among the Andes by Francis Bond Head. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mode of Traveling There are two ways of traveling across the Pampas, in a carriage or on horseback. The carriages are without springs, either of wood or iron, but they are very ingeniously slung on hide ropes, which make them quite easy enough. There are two sorts of carriages, a long vehicle on four wheels, like a van, with a door behind, which is drawn by four or six horses, and which can carry eight people and a smaller carriage on two wheels of about half the length, which is usually drawn by three horses. When I first went across the Pampas, I purchased for my party a large carriage and also an enormous two-wheeled covered cart, which carried about 2,500 weight of miners' tools, etc. I engaged a capataz, headman, and he hired for me a number of peons who were to receive thirty or forty dollars each for driving the vehicles to mendoza the day before we started the capataz came to me for some money to purchase hides in order to prepare the carriages in the usual way the hides were soaked and then cut into long strips about three-quarters of an inch broad and the pole as also almost all the woodwork of the carriage were firmly bound with the wet hide which when dry shrunk into a band almost as hard as iron the spokes of the wheels and very much to our astonishment the fellies or the circumference of the wheels were similarly bound so that they actually traveled on the hide we all declared it would be cut before we got over the pavement of buenos aires but it went perfectly sound for seven hundred miles and was then only cut by some sharp granite rocks over which we were obliged to drive with respect to provisions we were told truly enough that there is little to be had on the pampas but beef and water and a quantity of provisions with cherry brandy etc etc was collected by the party some of whom i believe fancied that i was going to take them not to el dorado but to that undiscovered country from which no traveller returns however when we were ready to start one of them found out that the loaves and fishes the canteen etc were all left out whether by accident or design it matters not and they then all cheerfully consented to rough it which is really the only way to travel without vexation in any country we took some brandy and tea with us but so destitute were we of other luxuries that the first day we had nothing to drink our tea out of but eggshells as it had been reported to the government of buenos aires that the pampa indians had invaded the country through which we had to pass the minister was kind enough to give me an order to a commandant 
who was on the road with troops, for assistance if required. And besides this, we purchased a dozen muskets, some pistols and sabers, which were slung to the roof of the carriage. As it is customary to pay the peons half their money in advance, and as men who have been paid in advance have in all countries a number of thirsty friends, it is very difficult to collect all the drivers. Ours were of all colors, black, white, and red, and they were as wild a looking crew as ever was assembled. We had six horses in the carriage, six in the cart, each of which was ridden by a peon, and I, with one of the party, rode. The traveling across the Pampas, a distance of more than nine hundred miles, is really a very astonishing effort. The country, as before described, is flat, with no road but a track, which is constantly changed. The huts, which are termed posts, are at different distances, but upon an average about twenty miles from each other, and in traveling with carriages, it is necessary to send a man on before to request the gauchos to collect their horses. The manner in which the peons drive is quite extraordinary. The country, being in a complete state of nature, is intersected with streams, rivulets, and even rivers, with pantanos, marshes, etc., through which it is absolutely necessary to drive. In one instance, the carriage, strange as it may seem, goes through a lake, which of course is not deep. The banks of the rivulets are often very precipitous, and I constantly remarked that we drove over and through places which in Europe any military officer would, I believe, without hesitation, report as impassable. The mode in which the horses are harnessed is admirably adapted to this sort of rough driving. They draw by the saddle instead of by the collar, and having only one trace instead of two, they are able, on rough ground, to take advantage of every firm spot, where the ground will only once bear every peon takes his own path, and the horse's limbs are all free and unconstrained. In order to harness or unharness, the peons have only to hook and unhook the lasso, which is fixed to their saddle, and this is so simple and easy that we constantly observed when the carriage stopped that before any one of us could jump out of it, the peons were unhooked and were out of our sight to catch fresh horses in the corral. In a gallop, if anything was dropped by one of the peons, he would unhook, gallop back, and overtake the carriage without its stopping for him. I often thought how admirably in practice this mode of driving would suit the particular duties of that noble branch of our army, the horse artillery. The rate at which the horses travel, if there are enough of them, is quite surprising. Our cart, although laden with twenty-five hundred weight of tools, kept up with the carriage at a hand gallop. Very often, as the two vehicles were going at this pace, 
some of the peons who were always in high spirits would scream out ah mi patron and then all shriek and gallop with the carriage after me and very frequently i was unable to ride away from them but strange as the account of this sort of driving may sound the secret would be discovered by any one who could see the horses arrive in england horses are never seen in such a state the spurs heels and legs of the peons are literally bathed with blood and from the sides of the horses the blood is constantly flowing rather than dropping after this description in justice to myself i must say that it is impossible to prevent it the horses cannot trot and it is impossible to draw the line between cantering and galloping or in merely passing through the country to alter the system of riding which all over the pampas is cruel the peons are capital horsemen and several times we saw them at a gallop throw the rein on the horse's neck take from one pocket a bag of loose tobacco and with a piece of paper or a leaf of the indian corn make a cigar and then take out a flint and steel and light it the post huts are from twelve to thirty-six miles and in one instance fifty-four miles from each other and as it would be impossible to drag a carriage these distances at a gallop relays of horses are sent on with the carriage and are sometimes changed five times in a stage it is scarcely possible to conceive a wilder sight than our carriage and covered cart as i often saw them galloping over the trackless plain and preceded or followed by a troop of from thirty to seventy wild horses all loose and galloping driven by a gaucho and his son and sometimes by a couple of children i was one day observing them instead of looking before me when my horse fell in a biscachera and rolled over upon my arm it was so crushed that it made me very faint but before i could get into my saddle the carriages were almost out of sight and while the sky was still looking green from the pain i was enduring i was obliged to ride after them and i believe i had seven miles to gallop as hard as my horse could go before i could overtake the carriage to give up my horse the picture seems to correspond with the danger which positively exists in passing through the uninhabited regions which are so often invaded by the merciless indians in riding across the pampas it is generally the custom to take an attendant and people often wait to accompany some carriage or else if they are in condition ride with the courier who gets to mendoza in twelve or thirteen days in case travellers wish to carry a bed and two small portmanteaus they are placed upon one horse which is either driven on before or by a halter tied to the postilion's saddle the most independent way of travelling is without baggage and without an attendant 
In this case, the traveler starts from Buenos Aires or Mendoza with a postilion, who is changed at every post. He has to saddle his own horses and to sleep at night upon the ground on his saddle, and as he is unable to carry any provisions, he must throw himself completely on the feeble resources of the country and live on little else than beef and water it is of course a hard life but it is so delightfully independent and if one is in good riding condition so rapid a mode of travelling that i twice chose it and would always prefer it but i recommend no one to attempt it unless he is in good health and condition when i first crossed the pampas i went with a carriage and although i had been accustomed to riding all my life i could not at all ride with the peons and after galloping five or six hours was obliged to get into the carriage but after i had been riding for three or four months and had lived upon beef and water i found myself in a condition which i can only describe by saying that i felt no exertion could kill me although i constantly arrived so completely exhausted that i could not speak yet a few hours sleep upon my saddle on the ground always so completely restored me that for a week i could daily be upon my horse before sunrise could ride till two or three hours after sunset and have really tired ten and twelve horses a day this will explain the immense distances which people in south america are said to ride which i am confident could only be done on beef and water at first the constant galloping confuses the head and i have often been so giddy when i dismounted that i could scarcely stand but the system by degrees gets accustomed to it and it then becomes the most delightful life which one can possibly enjoy it is delightful from its variety and from the natural mode of reflecting which it encourages for in the gray of the morning while the air is still frosty and fresh while the cattle are looking wild and scared and while the whole face of nature has the appearance of youth and innocence one indulges in those feelings and speculations in which right or wrong it is so agreeable to err but the heat of the day and the fatigue of the body gradually bring the mind to reason before the sun has set many opinions are corrected and as in the evening of life one looks back with calm regret upon the past follies of the morning in riding across the pampas with a constant succession of gauchos i often observed that the children and the old men rode quicker than the young men the children have no judgment but they are so light and always in such high spirits that they skim over the ground very quickly the old gray-haired gaucho is a good horseman with great judgment 
and although his pace is not quite so rapid as the children's yet from being constant and uniform he arrives at his goal nearly in the same time in riding with the young men i found that the pace was unavoidably influenced by their passions and by the subject on which we happened to converse and when we got to the post i constantly found that somehow or other time had been lost in crossing the pampas it is absolutely necessary to be armed as there are many robbers or salteadores particularly in the desolate province of santa fe the object of these people is of course money and i therefore always rode so badly dressed and so well armed that although i once passed through them with no one but a child as a postilion they thought it not worth their while to attack me i always carried two brace of detonating pistols in a belt and a short detonating double-barreled gun in my hand i made it a rule never to be an instant without my arms and to cock both barrels of my gun whenever i met any gauchos with respect to the indians a person riding can use no precaution but must just run the gauntlet and take his chance which if calculated is a good one if he fall in with them he may be tortured and killed but it is very improbable that he should happen to find them on the road however they are so cunning and ride so quick and the country is so uninhabited that it is impossible to gain any information about them besides this the people are so alarmed and there are so many constant reports concerning them that it becomes useless to attend to any and i believe it is just as safe to ride towards the spot at which one hears they are as to turn back the greatest danger in riding alone across the pampas is the constant falls which the horses get in the holes of the biscachas i calculated that upon an average my horse fell with me in a gallop once in every three hundred miles and although from the ground being very soft i was never seriously hurt yet previous to starting one cannot help feeling what a forlorn situation it would be to break a limb or dislocate a joint so many hundred miles from any sort of assistance town of san luis fifth day from buenos aires we arrived an hour after sunset fortified post scrambling in the dark for the kitchen cook unwilling correo the courier gave us his dinner huts of wild-looking people three women and girls almost naked their strange appearance as they cooked our fowls they be so wild as the donkey said one of the cornish party smiling he then very gravely added and there be one thing sir that i do observe which is that the further we do go the wilder things do get our hut old man immovable maria or mariquita's figure 
little mongrel boy three or four other persons roof supported in the centre by a crooked pole holes in roof and walls walls of mud cracked and rent a water jug in the corner on a three-pronged stick floor the earth the eight hungry peons by moonlight standing with their knives in their hands over a sheep they were going to kill and looking on their prey like relentless tigers in the morning morales and the peons standing by the fire the blaze making the scene behind them dark and obscure the horizon like the sea except here and there the back of a cow to be seen wagon and coach just discernible in the hut all our party occupied with the baggage lighted by a candle crooked and thin seen of urging the patron master to get the horses and mariquita to get the milk the patron wakening the black boy twelfth day left the post hut with three changes of horses to get to san luis distant thirty-six miles inquired the way of one of the gauchos who was driving the carriage he dismounted and traced it with his finger on the road we were to turn off when about three leagues at a dead horse which we should see i then galloped on with one of my party knowing that we were to see no habitation until we got to san luis we had three hours and a half of daylight about halfway we began to think we had lost our path however we were sure to be wrong if we stopped to debate and we therefore galloped on our horses got tired and the sun was nearly setting without any appearance of houses but as the lower edge touched the horizon we discovered a hut and riding up to it we were informed by a little girl that we were near san luis we got to the post just as it was dark and eagerly inquired of the wild group if there was an inn in the town no hay senor no hay we then inquired for beds no hay senor no hay is there a cafe no hay senor in exactly the same tone of voice when we looked round us we found nothing but bare walls and fleas we happened that day to have english saddles and we therefore began to ask again about beds the woman told us we should have hers and in a few moments she brought mattress and all rolled up and laid it down on the floor however when i cast my eyes on the blanket and above all the sheets i begged in the most earnest manner that she would let me have something a little cleaner son limpias they are clean said the woman taking up the sheet and pointing to a little spot which looked whiter than the rest there was no use in arguing the point so i walked out of the hut leaving the corner of the sheet in the woman's hand and declaring that it was quite impossible to sleep there i went to the door of the maestro de posta postmaster and told him that i had ridden all day without eating that i was very hungry and begged to know what we could have lo que quiere senor tenemos todo whatever you choose we have everything 
I knew too well what todo meant, and he accordingly explained to me that he had carne de vaca and gallinas, beef and fowls. I ordered a fowl, and then went to my room. The sight of the bed again haunted me, and after looking at it for some time, with every inclination to persuade myself that it was even bearable, but in vain, I resolved to go to the governor, deliver my letters, and see what I could do with him. I procured a guide who was to lead me in the dark to the governor's house. After walking some distance, aquí está, said the man. What is that it? said I, pointing to a door at which some black naked children were standing. No, it was the next house. The governor was not at home, but I found his wife sitting on a bed, surrounded by ladies, requested to sit down, but hurried off to the cornelo. He was not at home, said a young lady, who begged me to sit down, went to the barracks, my reception, an ordenanza or soldier ordered to return with me to the post, to desire the postmaster to treat me with particular respect the town of san luis by moonlight no houses to be seen but garden walls of mud went to look after my dinner found the girl who was to cook it sitting in the smoke with the peons i saw a black iron pot on the fire in which i supposed was my fowl i asked if the fowl was there no senor aquí está said the girl throwing an old blanket off her bare shoulders and showing me the fowl alive in her lap. I was going to complain, and I fear to swear, but the smoke so got into my eyes and mouth that I could neither see nor speak. At last I asked for eggs. No, I, senor. Good heaven, said I, in the capital of San Luis is there not one single egg? Yes, she said, but it was too late she would get me some manana tomorrow she asked me if i liked cheese oh yes said i eagerly she gave me an enormous cheese and insisted on my taking the whole of it but she had no bread i had hurt my right arm by my horse falling however i carried the cheese into my room and then did not know where to put it the floor was filthy the bed was worse and there was nothing else so supporting it with my lame arm i stood for some seconds moralizing on the state of the capital of the province of san luis end of section four